Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Barrett Hall, a four-time SaaS founder, now co-founder at Chornkey, a software company designed to help build a healthy subscription business. They are mostly bootstrapped fully remote, and are taking Chornkey toward being a seven-figure business with a tiny team of four. And we're super excited to learn how exactly you're doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited well, to chat. Yeah, well, uh, I have a ton of questions because obviously I went through your website and the, the reviews and everything. Um, you are used by a ton of the cool kids, you know, <laughs> Taplio, uh, Paperbell, everyone's using you. So um, what's your strategy? And, but you know, uh, let's get into your uh, background first because you've got a great story. Yeah, my background, I started in software out of college. I got hired by a um, large software company here in Charleston, where I live, and was a customer support rep. That was my first exposure to the software industry. Then I moved into sales at one of their partner companies for a few years. And I always had this gut level feel that I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't really know why at the time. And um, I, I met Nick, who's uh, one of the co-founders at Chernkey, our wives introduced us actually because they were tired of hearing us talk about our startup ideas. And they sent us to Starbucks to chat and we just kept connecting. And uh, we started our first company in 2015. Uh, we had a pretty big miss on our first company, but learned a lot and um, kind of pivoted into um, Wave, which is a podcast marketing software. Also started a video editing and captioning tool called Subtitle and uh, a, a few other uh failed starts along the way. And then all of that has accumulated into Chernkey, which we're working on uh, growing and scaling now. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so you are those those guys where, you know, why there is a great wife behind a great man or so what, what is that saying? 100%. Yeah, behind every great man is a uh, or every great yeah. person is a great spouse, I think is probably the right way yeah, to say it. Yes, definitely. Like that. Um, okay, yeah. shout out to them. Yeah, I, I actually don't think people talk about that enough because once you start a business, your family almost becomes a part of the business and you have to approach it that way because, you know, with any business, you have to look at the resources getting put in, where are the outputs and how are things structured? And uh, she's been a great teammate in that respect um, because she is definitely along for the ride. She has to deal with all the emotional ups and downs that we run into. Cool. All right. Well, it's great that you have the support system. Uh, so what's what's Chornkey? How did you end up with it? And, um, I know that it grew out of your own pain mm -hmm. point from the previous companies, but why did you decide to make it into a product? So Wave and Subtitle were both marketing software used by creators. So a uh, low price point is around average revenue per user of about $23 between both of them on average and uh, really high inbound. So we get thousands of people would show up a month and we would convert a certain percentage of those. And we were really, really good at inbound marketing and building product for conversions and making our customers happy. The nature of the market that we were working in and our customers, there was a lot of churn. People would cancel. They would come back. There's a lot of reactivations. There was a lot of budgetary concerns, even at those price points, just uh, because of the, the large number of people that we were dealing with. And we got really good at dealing with high volume. 
But our biggest problem, and this actually came to light when we went to sell Wave or take, we wanted to sell Wave and we took it to the market and worked with some brokers. And every time we were looking at our valuation, our churn was at 13%. And every time we would kind of, you know, have an interested party and, and things would be going well, churn would come up as a big red flag. And it was always dinging our valuation multiple. So we finally decided like, okay, we, we got to do something about this. So we, we got to work on our churn and we did everything. We hired consultants. One time we paid somebody like $20,000 to just review our email sequence. We worked on onboarding, oh, wow. design, I mean, everything across the board, you, you know, if you Google how to tackle churn, we just started going down the list. But one thing that we kind of came up with on our own and started seeing really good results with was uh, tweaking our cancellation flow. So we used to think that when customers clicked cancel, they were done. Like they have decided that they didn't want us anymore and they were going to move on. So we always made it really easy for people to cancel. Just click the button, say yes and move on. The big aha moment for us was when we realized that about 30 to 40% of customers that click cancel, they don't actually want to cancel. They just want a better arrangement or something just isn't right. clicking with them. And they want your, they want to be successful with your product. Just something is not aligned with their current agreement. And all they want is a, a, a is a better, is kind of a different agreement. And so we started working on our cancellation flow from that respect and started offering discounts, pauses, customer support. We would pull in um, their data. So how many podcasts have they created? Uh, how many videos have they created? And we would re remind them like, hey, you've got all this amazing data and content in our system. Are you sure you want to cancel? Because that's going to be lost. And it started working so well that uh, it helped fix our valuation problem. So we were able to sell Wave back in 21. And the light bulb went off. We're like, we need to sell this to other SaaS companies and help them achieve the same results that, that we have. So long-winded answer to Churnkey is a platform that helps other SaaS companies cut churn. Right. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think we, we had a similar conversation on this podcast already uh, about the fact that when people cancel, uh, it's not just because, you know, they want to cancel, they don't need you. It's probably because something didn't work for them and they decided that it's not working for them long before they canceled it. Right. So uh, you need to go back and try to you know, solve the problem that they're having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've also done a lot of research and into the psychology of canceling a subscription. And it's different for high cost B2B products because that's much more of a business related decision. But for a lot of B2C or even prosumer focused SaaS companies, when individuals, not teams or businesses, but when you sell a product to individuals and uh, the buying and the selling process is very emotional. They have really not spent a lot of time on it, but they see the charge, they realize they haven't used it and they get this feeling that they are wasting money and they need to do something about it. And they're not really thinking in terms of what the product does, what's the value proposition and what, the, what are they getting out of it? So it's a really important time in a customer life cycle where you can actually reframe how they see your product and the value, but it has to be done in a very elegant and polite way because customers at that stage don't want to be pushed or they don't want to be feel like they're taken advantage of. So, uh, one of our partners, uh, Scott, worked at Tinder and a few other big B2C um, companies. And so he's brought a lot of experience with 
customer facing design and making sure that the process is, um, you know, it has a good feel to it, which is really important. So that was one of the surprising things that we found out. We kind of looked at it more black and white that customers, oh, they, you know, if we give them 30% off, maybe they'll stay. But realizing that the way that you speak to your customers during the cancellation process is really important too. Right. I think one of the um, best experiences with with cancellation I had with, I, I don't remember the name. Uh, it's It's like a uh, educational platform for kids and it's something that where you you don't see you know the return or you don't see the results right away right so once it wanted to cancel they said you know what we'll give you a year free go there you know study engage with your kid and and then you know after a year if you see the results then maybe you'll pay and it was it was just such a new feeling like they just want you to use it they they want you to see the results just yeah yeah wow. that's really interesting yeah yeah okay uh so how did you approach customer acquisition because like i said at the beginning all the cool kids are using you guys so uh was it from um the fact that you have a brand already the personal brand you know you've you've had quite a bit of network already built up from the previous startups or um you have to use something like SEO or, or even paid. Yeah. The transition from B2C prosumer SaaS to B2B was really hard for us. And it's been almost three years now. And we just now feel like we're really getting our feet under us from an acquisition standpoint. But, uh, I basically, um, I do a lot of our marketing and sales and the mistake that I made early on is I took the playbook that we used from wave and subtitle and applied it to Chernkey and it did not work. And we lost a lot of time because we were focusing a lot on SEO. We were focusing on a lot of paid ad strategies, working on getting people to our website and, you know, moving through a product funnel, uh, which is what we really focused on. Our previous companies was all about inbound, uh, focusing on funnels, optimizing for those and, uh, you know, getting the sale at the tail end of that. What we have learned is that in B2B, you're not selling to at least it our situation, we're not selling to individuals anymore. We're now selling to businesses and businesses make decisions very, very differently. So we have shifted, I would say probably our first customers did come from our network where that we had built up with other SaaS companies that were uh, about our size. And um, it was still tough to get those customers and required a sales process. But um, we kind of really struggled systemizing it and, you know, connecting that with our marketing. But since then, we've shifted to a very content focused combination of content and inbound sales. So getting customers interested with some type of content, getting their information, making sure they have intent and then working them through an inbound sales process. So it requires multiple calls. Um, it requires a little bit of you know building a business case, although, you know, solving for churns pretty straightforward from an ROI standpoint, but, yeah. um, so it's been a lot of manual lifting and just working one-on-one -on -one with customers. And it was hard at first, and it took us a long time to figure out what that cadence looks like and what do these customers need to, you know, successfully decide to buy us, but also actually get up and running. Uh, but we feel like we're in a really good spot now. We've got a look, we've got a pretty good playbook that we can start to scale out. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. 
Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Right. I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, even if it's B2B, there is still a lot of expl explaining to do. Mm -hmm. And you should never assume that people just know how to use your product, even if it seems like it's so straightforward, we're reducing yeah. your churn. What's, you know, what's not to like. But yeah, when I, I worked for a startup here in Charleston, and um, one of my sales managers, when I was doing account management back in the day, gave me this really great piece of advice that seems obvious but at the time and even sometimes with churn i forget it but he explained to me you know, sometimes you're, you don't have to convince someone that they need your product but sometimes you have to explain to them how to buy it because when customers look at something like churn it's pretty easy to see like oh wow if i install this obviously i'm going to cut churn i'm going to make more revenue it's most people figure that out pretty quick but what they don't understand is how do they buy it how do they implement it how do they set it up how do they feel confident that it's going to work? How are they going to match it up with their business logic? So that's when the sales process comes into place and you take the approach of, okay, my job's not really to be salesy and try to push you to do something. My job is to guide you through our process and help you be successful with our, with our tool. So that's really been kind of a big shift for us because previously at our other companies, it was all about let's drive engagement or drive traffic to a landing page and convert sell sell hard you know push the value prop really hard and get somebody to click a button and sign up where this is much more of a uh, it's a well it's still not that long it's only a couple of weeks sales process usually but compared to a few seconds um very very different true yeah okay so uh can you share any hacks that are working for you all the time uh regarding the churn yeah, I've got two that actually came up in a sales call yesterday, and uh, these are good examples of how important the details are when it comes to your retention strategies, because small changes make a huge difference, especially when you expand it over your ARR that's compounded year over year. But one good example is when you're sending out failed payment recovery emails, if you send it from different emails, you can increase your recovery rate by 10%. And the reason for that is when consumers, we're just desensitized to email. So when you send somebody multiple emails from the same address, they start stacking up in an email thread. And if somebody's already ignored the first or second, it's really rare that they're going to just all of a sudden convert on the third one because they've already made the decision twice that it's not worth the effort at that very specific moment. But if you send it from different emails multiple times, so for example, you send it from we send one from our support rep, the second one from our support rep, and then the third one comes from the co-founders email it has a different tone and vibe for it and it it, it can it, it we see about a 10 percent bump in recovery rates um another good tip on the failed payment recovery side is where customers are actually updating their credit card information so 
if you ask them to log into your app, uh, your recovery rate goes down because authentication can slow people down if somebody forgets their password uh, or they hit the login screen. All of a sudden they were just trying to do this quick little update, but now they're having to take additional steps. And it's a very, very small change. But for customers that we work with that are you know dealing with hundreds of customers that cancel a month, uh, the percentages really matter. Um, so we send customers to a hosted turnkey site page um, that looks like the customer's web app, doesn't require authentication and allows them to update their credit card information and it connects directly with the payment processor. Um, so those are those are two. And uh, another interesting one is not trying to notify cards that are going to expire in the future. So we see this a lot with um, we'll have customer success managers that want to get in front of churn before the credit card cancels. Right. Um, and we found out in the last couple of months that Stripe is actually so good at updating of about to expire credit cards that communicating to those customers actually results in more churn because at the moment they're kind of on the edge of, Hey, should I update this or not? And they sometimes will voluntarily churn. So that's another thing to stay away from and just let Stripe handle it in the back end. Um, yeah. So those are, those are three that just came up uh, yesterday and the day before. So it's, we're constantly learning and we're so focused on churn that all of these small tips and tricks that we find out really make a big difference. And we build those in our product and our customers just, they really love it. Right. It, it does look like it, like it's super tiny change. Like I'm just thinking if I ever bumped into, into a problem like this and that what, what I thought and what I did, um, but yeah, maybe I'll share my experience later if, if I remember something, but, um, yeah, speaking about tiny, right? You also went <laughs> a bit of a, a different direction with uh, with this company, right? As I remember, um, the first uh, two, three, three, uh, yeah. right, were completely bootstrapped, and this time uh, you went with Tiny Seed Accelerator, not just an yeah. investment, but accelerator. So, what were you trying to find? Uh, what, I don't know, new learnings or new insights were you were looking for? Uh, because it seems like, you know, it's the fourth time, like, you know, absolutely everything. Uh, so why, uh, right. <laughs> why did you decide to, to change your approach? It was after about seven or eight months of getting started when we realized how different B2B was and when you're okay. selling to businesses. It was so different from the from the experiences that we had before that we realized that we wanted someone in our corner that really understood this. And we wanted to, the accelerator was really appealing because we were gonna be connected with other B2B companies that are selling somewhat similar products and uh, going through this curriculum with them and sharing our experiences along the way. And it was really helpful. And also uh, there is an investment um, amount going into the accelerator and we use that to hire our first salesperson which was really helpful because bootstrapping in with SaaS because our contract sizes aren't aren't that big in month one of course our ltv is is really large after a long period of time but we we just didn't have the funds to hire a salesperson and there was no commission portion because the um the the contracts are obviously not up front so we needed that money to hire a first salesperson and it was really great going through that. Rob Walling is just a wealth of knowledge and 
every issue that we ran into, they've seen it before and we got a lot of great advice and it helped us, helped us uh, learn the B2B playbook much faster. Right. So a lot of founders say that, you know, it is absolutely important to, to just communicate uh, and network and just talk to founders who have gone through all the stages that you're going through. Right. So, um, what what are you doing now? Are you still kind of trying to to see what to do next? Or are you talking with maybe even your customers? You know, because they're also SaaS companies mostly. Yeah, we at, at this point now we're really focused on talking with our customers and making sure that we are understanding their problems and they give us a lot of advice. From the founder standpoint, I try to keep a team of peers a team of mentors and then a team of customers of you know a small handful of each group that I trust and work to build those relationships up that I can take problems to and ask questions. So um, I actually, uh, early on, I really focused on having mentors, which mentors are great, people that have been through it, that have done it. Um, I do find that sometimes their advice can be just a little bit off just because you know, you can just be in a different industry or, you know, a different size company, the same playbook as we've talked about from one company doesn't always work for the next. Um, I get a lot of value out of having peers that are going through it in the moment with us that have the same problems. Um, so I, do, I, I put a lot of effort into having about a half dozen peers that are, you know, that I really respect um, that I try to keep up with. And I try to do a quarterly quarterly cadence with all three of those groups, make sure I'm touching base and um, taking all the inputs from these different groups and trying to synthesize them into uh, single decisions. Oh, all right. So uh, what kind of, how do you communicate with your customers and uh, what kind of role are they playing in the product roadmap and the features that you're shipping, how you're shipping them and uh, basically everything you do for Turnkey? There's a lot of phone calls on the front end, a lot of Google meets like we're doing now as we're uh, talking to customers about onboarding and through the sales process. And that's really where the relationship starts. And with a lot of our customers, um, you know, with Turnkey, there's usually multiple stakeholders. There's an engineer that's implementing, there's a customer success manager that's thinking about strategy. And a lot of times we're working with the CEO and founder or the head of growth that's thinking about expanding revenue. So what we like to do with our customers is create a shared Slack channel and Slack connect. And that's where we'll have a lot of our communication early on as they're setting up processes. And uh, as I talked about, the details matter when it comes to retention strategy and churn. So we're constantly working with them to help iterate their copy, iterate the offers that they're giving through the cancellation flow or the, the failed payment campaigns. Um, so we do a lot of Slack communication with our customers. We really like the working one-on-one -on -one with each customer as they're, as they're onboarding, getting set up. And then we move to usually about a quarterly um, review call. So this is where the customer success angle comes in, which is something we're new to also in the B2B space. Um, and uh, we make it a point every quarter to make sure we're having a, a, a catch up with our customers, looking at their performance, making sure that um, they understand what our new features are, asking them what's missing, talking to them about their other areas of churn. And that's really where we get all of our insights for product strategy and where we need to go next. All right. Uh, do you remember maybe like the biggest, the most crucial feature that came from uh, a customer that a customer requested and you decided to build? Oh, man, there's been a lot of them. Um, <laughs> there usually are. Yeah. One, 
really interesting one was hidden plans. This is something we hadn't thought about in our previous businesses. So there's this concept of hidden plans to where on your marketing page and within your app, your customers see plans that they can choose from. But during the cancellation flow, you can actually offer hidden plans that aren't there, that they haven't seen before. So this is really common with products that are based on usage. And when you have a finite number of plans available to customers, there's a portion of customers that need something in between or maybe a lower plan because they're just not using it enough, but they are still using it. And there's this big opportunity with these type of customers where they can actually expand their pricing tiers during the cancellation flow. So say, hey, instead of canceling, because you said you're just not using it enough, well, what if we give you a plan that's 50% less with 50% less usage? And that it's amazing how successful that can be. It doesn't work for everybody, but for, uh, for companies that are metered or based on usage-based pricing, it's really, really effective. And it was just, it wasn't obvious to us, but when we built it and launched it, we're seeing customers put it to use and we're, we're seeing high save rates for, for a lot of different segments. All right. I immediately went to like all the other founders that actually had this kind of problem uh, mm -hmm. and talked about it on the on the podcast. Maybe I should I should connect you guys. But yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, another thing that, that I wanted to to ask you and I'm sorry, I'm kind of all over the place jumping from one topic to another. Um, back to Tiny Seed and the fact that you raised a bit and now you're raising again. Right. So again, you're taking like a totally different approach to this company. Uh, why did you decide that this is necessary for Turnkey? Are you going for like hyper growth or you just see that it's something that's growing mm, maybe faster than you expected and you really, really want to to get ahead of this? Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a little bit of both. Um... Yeah, so this this business is really different than the previous ones that we bootstrapped that were all based on inbound marketing and product-led growth. Churnkey is a business, like I've said, that re it requires sales and it requires customer relationships. And it's not something that can really be scaled out with technology. So we can't just build a lot of features that are going to help automate that process. We actually need people getting on calls, you know, working on customer success, working on sales. And we... Us four founders have been doing founder-led sales and the customer success part, and uh, we're now just we're maxed out. Where calendars are getting booked left and right, and uh, we yeah we we need to build a team. And um, so yeah, we, we're uh, looking to raise to um, to hire customer success and sales, and we're also really interested in experimenting more on the growth side of things and marketing because um, we're you know, we've been doing so much just hands-on work with customers that. We also want to start working on some lead generation efforts and B2B marketing efforts are more expensive than just, you know, running simple Google ads and hoping for a you know 40% return on ad spend. So um, right. there's more to it. And yeah, we're excited to, to, to start setting some of that up. All right. So we caught you right at the beginning of your journey with this, right? So you mm -hmm. are going to, to build a team. Now you're just co-founders. Uh, so what kind of, uh, culture what kind of team are you planning to build because just yesterday i was talking to another founder and um that's something that we stumbled upon like when you're trying to just get the first few hires 
what like what do you tell them do you just assume that you know they are coming to work in a startup that can be a bit of everything and a bit hectic or you right away try to build a culture and hire people that you know resonate with it yeah we've been talking a lot from a culture standpoint about being trusted and that's really at the heart of what we do at Cherokee is being trusted that we understand SaaS, subscription businesses, technology, payment processors, because what Cherokee touches on a customer's business is so important. It needs to work. It needs to work really well. And the operators that customers are working with need to understand the best way to deploy it and the best way for it to work. Because, you know, integrating with payment processors is a very uh, delicate part of the business. So we want to hire and build teams that are trusted, friendly and trusted. So our customers want to work with us and want to see us as experts in the space. So we really want to work with people that understand the subscription, subscription business. Um, they understand the details and the importance of uh, the specifics of retention strategy and how it works. And I think the other piece is also with our customers. They, yeah, they want to have a friendly trusted advisor to help them work through their churn problems. Because uh, we've had one customer, uh, a really, he calls us his, he calls us his um, churn psychologist because churn is <laughs> the emotional side of the business. And yes. sometimes he just wants to talk, talk through what's going on. You know, they see a spike in churn and they, they want a second pair of eyes that really understand this and are trusted and knowledgeable. And that's really what we're trying to do is build a team that kind of fits that mold and uh, really enjoys what they do. So it, it also feels like you're not only a product company, but also uh, a bit of a service too, right? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a really good point. So we um, we do have customers that self serve. They sign up, they implement, and they really enjoy it, and they go on. But most of our customers, especially the larger ones, as we continue to go up market, uh, they they want help. They want help designing their cancellation flows. They want help writing their copy and um, understanding and unpacking all of the churn data that they're getting in because it's it's hard to sift through it all um, and we definitely are we as i was talking about earlier how we communicate with our customers we do build services into our subscription price and deliver that through the slack communications the quarterly review strategy calls we also uh, will commonly just jump into our customers cancellation flows and audit them, see how they're doing, look at their copy, look at the offers, because we're always learning. As our data set gets larger, we're learning more and more about what works. And we go back to our existing customers and, and try to help advise them on, on leveraging those features. Right. So, well, this is going to be live sometime early uh, June. So if you're hiring by that point, you know, feel free to send me a link. I'll, <laughs> I'll ping it in the comments and, you know. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to. Uh, yeah, sales and customer success is kind of our biggest needs right now. So anyone that has done customer success um, has sat in that seat before. That's kind of another going back to our, our vision with being trusted. We want people with experience. And when we talk to our customers, we explain to them that we built this because we sat exactly where you were staring at our churn reports and wondering how are we going to solve this problem? That's why we got started. So we want people that have done the same and, you know, have, have kind of walked the walk uh, previously. So yeah, reach out to us. Find me on LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm pretty easy to track down. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I have uh, just a, a bit more questions uh, because you, um, you mentioned that you want to also double down on growth and marketing. So what do you think would be your 
um, your channels? You know, how are you going to approach them? Because now, as far as I see, you, you go to podcasts, I found quite a few. Um, so there is a lot of inbound, right? So what else are you going to do? That's what we're experimenting with right now. Um, I'm really interested in, I, I haven't been on LinkedIn in a, in a long time because a lot of our businesses were more focused on Instagram from a social channel. Um, but uh, I've been getting back onto LinkedIn and it seems like it's a really in a really good place from a content and engagement standpoint. So I'm really interested in scaling out LinkedIn content and also LinkedIn advertising for uh, white papers and collateral. So looking at how do we, you run ads against helpful content that we write to get customers that are interested in churn and working on their churn currently. Because one really important aspect of our business is that timing is critical. So any SaaS company operator you talk to, you say, hey, do you want to cut churn? And they say, yeah, I'd love to cut churn and make more money. That sounds great. But what's really important is the timing of how painful that churn is at the moment and then what they have going internally, because churn key generally needs to be scheduled into a development sprint. Uh, so timing is really important and making sure all the stakeholders are aligned. So we want to find marketing strategies that help educate customers on what they should be doing from a retention standpoint and also tracking intent and timing uh, and nurturing those leads. So really looking at outbound paid advertisements and building a list of leads and then working them from an inbound sales strategy is uh, kind of our next our next target. Okay, so it looks like you've got a lot of testing it's a rate in to do. It's really interesting what um, yeah, how it's going to look uh, in the near future. All right, uh, so a question that I ask every founder out there, what's so far been um, the biggest win and the biggest failure or the biggest challenge? I'd say our biggest win today was getting to profitability. That was kind of a big target right. for us, especially with four co-founders that are working full-time on the business. So uh, getting to profitability was, was a huge win and kind of let us breathe the sigh, sigh of relief. Um, but at the Ooh. same time, getting to profitability opened our eyes to the opportunity on the business. And that's where we're seeing when we look at our metrics, our LTV and um, our, we have net negative churn. So we, our customers actually expand more than they leave. And uh, which is really, that's exciting. a good sign. So, yeah. Uh, that's actually, that's probably one of the other biggest wins. It's having net negative retention, especially after having two businesses that were commonly double digit churn percentages, which is painful. We had one, one of our SaaS businesses was doing over a million dollars a year. And we turned the whole customer base over every eight months from a churn oh, wow. perspective. So, I mean, that was, it's stressful knowing That's that crazy. like, Hey, if the acquisition shuts down, we're going to be in trouble. This thing's going to start shrinking really fast, which again is why we started working on churn. So now with turnkey having net negative, uh, or net positive retention, sorry, the, um, is, is really, we're really proud of that. And it's also a testament to how much we've learned about churn and which is right. kind of <laughs> it's also a testament to uh, the fact that you're in the right space. Yeah. Um, but okay. What about challenge or failure? Challenges or failures for churn keys. Um, I, I think it goes back to the learning the B2B space and not recognizing how important our sales process was early on. We, we're a little naive in thinking that, hey, we've got this tool that always provides a return on investment for customers when they install it. We see generally 25 to 40% uh, recovery rates from 
canceling customers. And it seemed like such a no brainer to us when we started positioning the product and putting it out there. And it just took us too long to realize that we needed to guide customers through the process. And we lost a lot of time trying to um, hack our way to sales as opposed to getting on calls and actually having sales meetings and, and working directly with customers. So um, that, it, it, that was tough, challenging. And I think honestly, it was a pill to swallow for us because we felt like we were so successful with the inbound marketing and in our other companies that I think we kind of had to, um, we had to be real with ourselves and, uh, and shift strategies, which was, which was a little tough, but we're, I'm glad we did it. And now we've got a good process and we're starting to build a sales culture and a customer success culture, which is, uh, was really exciting. New challenges. Yeah. Okay. So I think hacking is just such a buzzword and everyone's hooked on hacking everything. And yeah. um, I think, again, it's a new trend that's coming uh, and I'm really happy to see it. You know, people are hacking less and less. People are slowing down and, you know, yeah. there are things that should not be automated. And sometimes, you know, you, you have to pick up a phone. Um, all right. And um, again, something that I, I tend to ask uh, very often, and uh, it was not intended <laughs> this way from the start, uh, but, you know, AI craze is here. So mm -hmm. um, what do you think about it? Is there a space for AI in churn, churn prevention and churn key? And um, yeah, are you going to, or have I seen actually something about AI yeah, we're already, on Turkey. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're yeah. already, um, we've been implementing it in a couple different ways. One is the free form feedback that customers enter when they're canceling, sorry, end users of our customers, they enter when they're canceling. We actually run NLP engines on that data to surface up the most valuable feedback, whether it's, uh, and, and also use sentiment analysis and group it by here are customers that were really happy and just canceled for specific reasons. Here are customers that um, have specific feedback requests, and here are customers that are requested refunds. Because a lot of our a lot of our customers have you know, thousands and thousands of uh, subscribers and um, hundreds to a thousand canceling a month, and they just can't go through all the data. So we're using AI to go through all that feedback and surface up the most relevant um, feedback pieces and. Um, also, okay. the term prediction that we're working on that's going to launch this summer is has um, a lot of AI behind it to help try to predict which customers are on the verge of canceling so we can engage them before that happens. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to look like. So yeah, do I you think, think... That's my, I, I think that's my high level take on all the AI craze. I think there's a lot of people worried that it's going to eliminate jobs, that it's going to eliminate uh, you know, knowledge workers in different ways, but everything that I've seen in our companies is it's just allowing us to do more and it's allowing us to do more with less. And when you do more and it's easier to do more, then you just keep doing more. And it's not like, uh, you know, if, if we are able to get something done 30% faster, we're not just going to take the rest of the day off. We're going to use that time that we saved to work on new strategies and find new ways to deploy the technology. So um, I think it's really exciting and I'm starting to learn how to use AI on the sales side too, to help uh, work through things faster and, you know, 
get more people interested. So I'm excited. I still need to, I still need to dive into it more and get my hands dirty with some of these different tools. It feels like it's moving so fast. It's hard, hard to get. Right. Yeah. Every, like every hour, I think a new AI tool emerges. So it's super exciting, but uh, absolutely agree with you. Uh, If you automate something, uh, you know, it it doesn't give you just, you know, a magical two hours a day. Uh, No, but you can, again, you can slow down on something else and just, you know, uh, focus on it deeply. So that's perfect. All right. Well, um, super excited to see, you know, where you guys are growing and how you're going to grow and glad to be uh, a teeny tiny part of it. Uh, But uh, thank you so much for, for the conversation. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. And take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.